and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Child speaks to labour researcher Marion Beecher about labour management to minimise the risk of COVID-19 during calving. Okay, so good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Let's Talk Dairy. Today, we're joined by Marion Beecher, who's very conscious that she's been talking to you several times in the last couple of weeks, but very good stuff to be covered again today, I suppose, in a very appropriate time of year, obviously, calving, really just beginning to get going in earnest uh, around the country now. Um, so there's, Marion's just going to cover a little bit around nighttime calving. So obviously, that's the big pressure point for people in reality is that, that there's a, a big day's work to be done every day and then there's possibly work going on during the course of the night as well. So some people are fortunate enough that there may be in a position to have a night caver or so forth, but scale obviously is important in that sense. So for your standard family farm kind of scenario that we're dealing with, with the maybe 90 to 100 cows to calve, that's uh, maybe not a luxury that people have. So um, maybe ways of dealing with that, I suppose, and we take questions as we go along, obviously as well. And then the other part, I suppose, this time, you know, this time last year, COVID was something that was happening in China and we weren't overly concerned about it completely at the time. Um, to be fair, I suppose, from my experience of dealing with Derek Walt, they were, they were getting worried about it because obviously they were seeing that there was trouble in China in terms of getting product in and out and so forth at, at an earlier stage. So we ran into lockdown, obviously, on the 13th of March last year and our six-week calving was over at that stage, so the, the peak was gone. Was gone. And uh, I suppose we put like Francis Quigley and Marion and Martina would have done a bit of work in terms of putting pieces of uh, information together for people for standard operating procedures in case anybody got sick. But thankfully, in a lot of cases, farmers were uh, kind of avoided it because of we were in our own form of isolation anyway during the calving season anyway. But unfortunately, as you know, things have taken off over Christmas across the country and while this time last year you would have had to go looking for COVID early to get it, it's, it's probably going to find you potentially if you're meeting people. And that's obviously more common as well at this time of the year now because vets coming into yards, uh, different people coming into yards. So the risk is higher for people and uh, trying to mitigate against that risk is one thing and then to deal with it if it actually does happen. So I, I know from my own perspective, I, I'm finding that I know more people that are after contracting COVID now than at any stage during the, the, the run, any of the previous lockdowns. So Marion's going to cover the, the night calving piece, I suppose, which is going to affect everybody and then look at the, the COVID scenario as well. And we'll uh, discuss it as we go along. And, and as I said, join the questions into the Q&A there and we'll handle them as we go along as well. So Marion, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, everyone, for having me. Um, so, look, again, Stuart, I suppose we're kind of conscious as well. You know, as you said, we're coming into the calving season. We're probably not going to take, run this for too long either this morning yeah. because uh, there's a lot of stuff going out on farms and uh, more time than listening to me rabbiting on about something that uh, there's probably jobs that need to be done. So uh, hopefully these tips will help you with those um, those bits of work going on. So as you said, Stuart, at the start, the whole nighttime calving, I suppose, is one, one thing to look at. Um, and I just have one slide in it. I'm going to just really simply go through it. Um, but this is work that was done by David Gleeson um, back in the early 2000s. And it's looking at does the adjustment of silage feeding time alter calving time? So they um, locked cows out of, out of access for feed between half 10 in the morning until half eight um, at night. 
And what they found then was that there was a reduction in terms of um, the number of cows calving, the percentage of cows calving between half um, 12 at night and up until half six in the morning time. So they, it didn't eliminate it completely, but it did reduce the number. So there's 9% less calvings during that half 12 to six, half six period of time in the morning. And in terms of gestation length, you know, assistance, everything else was not significant, but there was a, you know, significant reduction in the number of nighttime calvings. And I suppose the key thing about this is um, how it's practiced. And we've done a, there's a video on the Chagas website that will give you more tips in how to do it and practice. Um, but the key thing is having enough feed space and um, practicing this for about 10 days before the cows are due to calf. Um, and also, you know, I suppose the mechanisms in terms of locking out cows out of feed. So for a lot of farmers, it's, you know, I suppose we're not encouraging farmers either. And I suppose this is a key thing to go out and start, you know, start up the tractor at 10 o'clock at night and, and, and feed cows at that time. Um, what we'd be trying to say is that, you know, practical way of doing this maybe would be, you know, feeding cows in the morning time um, and then putting like a, an electric fence or something, some barrier or locking cows out of it in the morning time and then opening up that gate in the evening time or else, you know, having the blocks of silage out there and then being able to just push it up then later on in the evening. So I suppose, you know, there, there's practical solutions. I suppose none of us here I suppose, are advocating, as I said, that you go out and, you know, farmers be, you know, starting up tractors at half eight, half nine at night time. It's all about, you know, doing this, but doing it safely um, and, and, and I suppose taking a practical approach to, to implementing this on the farm. Um, and I suppose it, it does work. It doesn't work for every farmer, but as I said, the key things are to do with, you know, 10 days to two weeks um, before the, the cow is due to start calving. Um, and as I said, then it's about, you know, managing how to lock off the cows um, out of feed. And I suppose the key thing as well is having the cows grouped by calving date, I suppose, when they're in the shed. So, yeah, that's, so that's, a, a, that's a good point, I suppose, Marion and Joe would have spoken about it last, last week as well in relation to transition cow management and so forth, that the feed space mm. is critically important. So I suppose in terms of your other hat that you wear in terms of plan, do, review, it's, uh, it's something that people could look at now after, after the calving season this year if they find that they've had a lot of night calvings to deal with and it's put them under pressure. We'd say, is feed space an issue? Can they increase the level of feeding space and there's many advantages to it obviously there's a cost associated with it but just the whole the whole access to feed and Joe would have been saying last week that he'd be looking for closer to three foot uh, per cow in, their, in the close-up period to calving so um, the, the yard, yards some yards don't lend themselves to what you're suggesting there obviously so um, but people may have may be in a position to make amendments or adjustments to them for for 2022 bit early to be talking about it but in reality I suppose it's just to get that thought process into people's heads as well to try and think of as they go through this calving season to be noting the things that aren't going well for them potentially so that they can act on them um, and and to think about that early on in 2021 rather than on the, the 4th of February of 2022 that I meant to do X or Y like to correct that. Absolutely and I suppose look I know a few people who are tight on feed space and it's, you know, they, they don't have the luxury of being able to lock cows out of, um, you know, out of feed for, you know, half, since half 10 to half eight or whatever it is. So what they do is, you know, they last job before they might start milking or in the evening time, you know, at around six o'clock, half five, six o'clock, they'll push out fresh feed and then just push up the feed in the morning time. So 
because that fresh block is coming out later on in the evening, that's when the cows will start coming out and, and doing the most of their eating. And then I suppose you're going to have the quieter, shyer cows coming out there earlier in the morning. So that's one, I suppose, work away around. Again, you're not going to reduce it down. You're not going to eliminate night cabinets completely, but you're just going to minimize the numbers or, you know, even if you can, and I suppose the other thing is, that, you know, we, that the study looked at it from locking off cows from half eight or half 10 to half eight. You know, you can adjust that time as well, depending on what works, what works for you. Yeah, so to actually just on that note, there's a question there from Sean McArdle. What was the deciding factor to the time that he thinks maybe the 10.30 a little bit late for closing off the access to the silage? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure is the answer to that. As I said, it was a study that was done a good, good few number of years ago. Um, I'm not sure what the reason was. Maybe they looked at it and to try and minimise it between the to minimise the number of calvings between that half twelve to half six period. So maybe that was a deciding factor in in, in going for half ten. And um, so maybe if you locked it off earlier, we'd say of you know stopping feed cows from half eight, then maybe you're going to slightly adjust this. Two hours earlier as well. I, yeah. I, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure the full. Um, I'd have to go back and check it. To be honest, yeah, it's a good question. The other thing maybe it might be just um, in terms of practicality. I know it should want to be a straightforward thing to do, and if if it is being implemented, but just to allow time for people to get their jobs done in the morning, maybe, and then you go and lock them back and you might put in the fresh feed. I think that's the key thing that people have to, to take away if you're going to go doing this. Like the feed still should get put in within the normal working day, and it's only as Marion said, giving them access to it or pushing it in. So if you do have to start the tractor, it's only just to skirt down along the barrier and push in the bit of silage rather than actually feed the silage. Absolutely. So it's trying to minimize that number of, you know, that, doing that work at late in the evening, I suppose. And, it's, you know, all this research is about, you know, adapting it to your farm and to your particular set of circumstances. This is what worked in the research setting, but that's going to be the difference to what's happening, you know, what your farm is set up like and you know who's available and you know what facilities etc you have on the farm so you know adapted to the farm i think is is the message yeah i think there's a there's a very simple straightforward way of doing it is probably a, a bear across the feed barrier potentially mm. um and it can work in two senses then john maher is a big fan of keeping cows back from silage obviously before they go out to grazing in the morning and in particular and it could work in that sense as well in a tricky morning just to let cows back to the cubicles but not have access to the silage so it can double up to to serve two purposes potentially as well like and it, it doesn't have to be expensive for bear across the feed barriers relatively cheaply done uh, i suppose for people that are handy with welders and uh, a bit of drilling and stuff they'd probably be able to do it themselves no problem like exactly and that's the thing it doesn't have to be a really fancy mechanism or anything it can be you know cheap and cheerful and really still very effective um, but that's the key thing is just, you know, making sure that they don't have access to it where possible. Obviously, as I said, feed space is the absolute, you know, critical point here um, that you have to have enough speed, feed space to be able to do that effectively. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's all to put it on in terms of nighttime calving. But I suppose the other, I think, key thing for me is that, you know, we're coming into probably the busiest period. We, it is the busiest period on spring, you know, spring calving, calv, uh, calving farm, sorry. And I suppose, you know, what are the practical things that you can do now that, you know, coming into the period that to try and make things run a bit more smoothly? And I suppose, you know, I'm conscious that, you know, you're in the midst of calving now. You're not going to have time to do make massive changes or, you know, build on or do any kind of, you know, 
major works, but there might be a few little things that you might be able to do that might just make things easier. Um, so, you know, can't overestimate, you know, the little, certain things like having, you know, properly hanging gates. Again, a simple, quick, temporary solution um, like this, this barrel, you know, it, it, it just makes things much easier and being able to manage getting cows out, you know, one person getting drafted, we have to draft cows out for, for calving or moving calves or whatever it is, you know, even getting a simple bucket for the front of the loader if you're having to move a lot of baby calves from house to house. Um, okay, again, this is probably not practical if you're, if you're not set up for, for this time of the year, but again, something to think about next year, that if you're wanting to get calves out um, early, um, you know, obviously, you know, provided that the weather is good and that they're at, a, at the right age, um, but, you know, you still need to give them some bit of a lie back a mobile unit like this may work. Again, group feeding, you know, big feeders might work as well. Um, or, you know, a simple trolley, instead of having to lift buckets, you know, there's probably things that you can, you can buy that you can slightly adapt even just for this year, just to get you over um, and just make things that little bit easier. Um, and again, like Stuart said, if you're handy with a welder, um, you can you know, fashion up something for, this is actually a mobile, um, fridge and uh, it's a little camping stove on the side so it's for heating up colostrum and storing the, the colostrum in the fridge so that's all is there to hand um, and then simply just you know going back to the lean and you know visual management and you know having everything in its place and place for every, a place for everything and everything in its place you know putting all the equipment for calving on a, on a simple board very easy to see then if you're missing a tag or you can always add in a piece then you know for your bbd tags a little holder for BBT tags, etc. Um, but having all those things just simply put up. And then I suppose the other thing is, you know, communication. And I suppose this this kind of ties back into what I'll go on to next about managing COVID and, and you know tips for managing that and you know how to communicate with people. So obviously if you're you're trying to keep your distance from people and you 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 know you, you still need to communicate how is the best way to do it. Well one option is to use whiteboards and you know simply having whiteboards in the calf shed, even in the dairy in the parlor, etc., um, all help, I suppose, improve communication and just writing simple up notes. You can have a two-way communication without having to be on top of each other. And then simple things like, you know, just even numbering, you know, calf pins. Um, it can just take out all the confusion rather than saying, you know, feed calves in the second pin from the, the top. You know, rather than just going, if you had it say, right, feed pins and calf in, in pin four. There's absolutely no confusion then if you tell them to feed pin calf pin four or whatever it is, it just makes things much easier. And then I suppose the other thing to look at is you know, once a day feeding from four weeks of age. So, again, you know, plenty of research out there to show that it has no um, negative effects in terms of growth rates or um, weights after, um, and calves do perfectly well once they're fed from four weeks of age, which may again just take the pressure off that if, you know, someone on the farm does come down with COVID or if you're short-staffed or whatever the reason, um, it might just provide you with a little um, bit of flexibility, I suppose, coming into the, to the busy period. And again, I suppose longer term, potentially looking down the route of using an automatic calf feeder just to save a bit more time and make things easier. So I suppose then just to, to go on to COVID, that was the other thing Stuart asked um, me to talk about today and I suppose how to manage that. And I suppose, look, you know, we all know how to prevent COVID, you know, wearing your mask for two meters and hand hygiene. And I suppose, you know, those are absolutely critical. 
as well as, you know, each of your co-ops would probably have guidelines in terms of um, milk collections and stuff like that and, and what, to, what to do. So I suppose follow the public health guidelines and follow um, the co-op guidelines. And then I suppose in terms of tips then as to how to manage it. So, um, you know, looking at, you know, the people on the farm. So I suppose you have to come up with a plan B. So what happens if you or someone in your family does come, um, you know, contacts the virus or has to self-isolate or isn't available for whatever reason. So what do you do in that scenario? Well, you know, ensuring someone who's familiar with the farm is available if someone needs to self-isolate. And again, you know, as you said, Stuart, at the start, having your standard operating procedures. And, you know, there are a few on the Chagas website. If you Google them or, or search them on the Chagas website, they are there um, and available to download and alter for your farm. Or, you know, use your discussion group or advisor. You'd be surprised who might have um, some uh, standard operating procedures. And then I suppose the other thing to look at is actually, you know, your bulk tank. They, you all get a man operation procedure or a manual with the bulk tank. It might be just a case of, taking that and shortening down and putting it up and leaving it in the parlor. So having those, you know, instructions available for people if, if necessary. Um, and then I suppose there, what to do if there's a number of people working on the farm? Well, you know, operating a staff rota and trying to minimize the number of people on the farm at the one time, obviously, you know, busy period, you want to need a certain number, number of people on the time and um, people on the farm at a one time. So then it's working the rota and combining, com combining that with allocating specific people to specific tasks so ensuring that you know one person is doing one task so they're minimizing the number of you know the number of equipment etc that they're coming in contact with and they avoid mixing um people with with um, equipment and then i suppose you know it's important as well as well to keep in contact with you know your discussion group your friends your advisors your neighbors and just, you know, you're not alone. Everybody else is in the same similar position as yourself. And, you know, other people have tips or tricks um, that might just make things a bit easier for yourself. So just to keep in contact and, you know, um, you'd be surprised what you might find by talking to somebody else. And I suppose the other thing to think about is that, you know, school's off, you know, there's a lot more children spending time on farm. Um, and I suppose, you know, that can be a really positive thing in terms of getting them involved and get, seeing them you know, being able to feed calves and, and, and teaching them about where their food comes from, there's also an increased risk of accidents. You know, farms are dangerous places. There's big machines, you know, springtime is a busy period, you know, getting that slurry, getting that fertilizer, cows calving, people tired. There's an, there's an increased likelihood of accidents happening. So I suppose we need to be cognizant of that. And I suppose putting measures in place to ensure that, you know, um, children and everyone are, are, are kept safe um, on farms. So then, as I said, you know, about the whole social distancing, you know, we know keeping our keeping our distance from people is, is one way to avoid picking up um, COVID. And I suppose this goes into, you know, only having essential people on the farm um, and then, you know, maintaining social distancing with any essential caller, callers. And um, so like lights of vet, AI technicians, lorry drivers, contractors, you know, stock buyers, relief milk etc so you know minimizing you know the need to talk to these people close by so use communicate using your phone or whiteboards um and you know if you don't need the sales rep to be in the yard you know put, now's an opportune time to be able to put them off because because of the the risk of, of transferring um a COVID to one another so keep the distance you know only essential people and i suppose communicate using technology and phones and whiteboards 
Um, I think one farmer last back in last March or April used to um, have a buyer come for his cows um, and instead of meeting him that he used to do and show him around, he's put all the, the cows for sale in a particular um, in a particular shed and the buyer would just come in and take them um, and, and go. They never had to meet and just talked over the phone. So again, you know, it's a simple practical tip that might work um, for your farms. <clears throat> so then again, as I said, going back to the hygiene, absolutely essential. So you know, having hand detergents and plenty of paper towels available for drying hands, and I suppose, and having these in multiple places on the farm. So, you know, in the parlor, maybe in the calf shed, um, and particularly, I suppose, maybe in the workshop where people are going to be, you know, touching equipment and sharing equipment. Um, and, you know, cleaning all surfaces, you know, that different people are coming in contact with, such as, you know, tractor steering wheels, door handles, etc. Um, and I suppose this is you know, in the ideal scenario, one person would operate one tractor. That's obviously not going to be practical. So, you know, even by leaving a set of wipes or hand gel within the tractor so and getting people into the habit of just wiping down as they're finished using the equipment is just a simple way of um, getting that and maybe having a little um, paper like waste bag as well in the tractor so that once you're finished the wipe, that you can just put it into the plastic bag and then dump that um, regularly enough. And again, I suppose wearing disposable gloves and changing regularly. And again, you know, most people are used to wearing gloves in the parlor and making sure that they're keep, kept clean. So, you know, wearing gloves is important, but also, you know, keeping those gloves clean, whether it's in the parlor or outdoors, um, is really important. And the idea of, you know, changing clothes daily or washing clothes at, you know, 60 degrees is important in terms of um, killing any bugs or potential bugs. And I suppose, look, these are all just good hygiene tips anyway. And, you know, in terms of, you know, minimizing any kind of calf, you know, scours and stuff like that. Like if you can, you know, minimize that and just change your own clothes daily, you're not going to be bringing any bugs back into your own house either. So it's just, it's, I suppose it's good practice. It's just the habit, getting into the habit of doing it. Um, and then yeah. just finally, yeah, sorry, one last slide. No, so okay. so just, just to finally, you know, again, conscious, you know, don't want to keep people on too long today but there are plenty of resources that are available so um in terms of you know managing colostrum cows you don't that could be a really simple tool in terms of just how to manage colostrum cows and some tips there that people might have seen so there's a video there and just you know but keeping them in a separate group at the end again so it just means that there's less likelihood of getting you know colostrum milk back into the into the into the tank um Standard operating procedures, as I said, so are on the Chagas website. Um, Padre O'Connor has done some brilliant um, fact sheet in terms of tips for milking during COVID, which again is on the available website. Um, and again, Chagas have opened up the COVID helpline for farmers um, on the number there, and it's available you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, Monday to Friday. And also the IFA have a really good resource. It's, if you Google, have you got a plan B? And they've got... Um, a checklist and a, a like a form to fill out in terms of a list of key contacts, etc., um, to to fill out and have available in case you know, as I said, you need a plan B. Um, and then I suppose the other thing is you know coming into the busiest period, things are hard enough without having to deal with a you know global pandemic and potentially any you know you're about potential weather issues that might be coming up next week. You know it's important to look after yourself and your own mental health as well. Um, and again, there's a really good website there in terms of you know tips and things to do about you know getting away from the farm even for you know a few minutes or within your five kilometers I suppose these days but at least you know it's seeing somewhere different um 
and, and just you know getting exercise eating well resting i think those are you know key tips to you know everything is easier when you're well rested things everything is impossible and things it seems like the end of the world is coming when you're tired and stressed um, so I think rest is as good a tip as I have for, for today's anthem. So that's it, Stuart, a very brief um, overview and a quick run through it. Very good, Marianne. I suppose the other thing is if people do feel overwhelmed, it's not something I'm overly comfortable talking about, to be honest, but it's great to just take a deep breath. It just steadies, the, steadies your mind a small little bit too. Um, and I think uh, people shouldn't underestimate the power of that, that quick phone call just to any one of your close friends or anything. As you said, you mentioned the discussion group of people that you're in contact with all the time. Just give them a quick ring to after, and they mightn't be able to talk to you there and then, but sure you can talk to them maybe later on again. And it's just important to keep in touch with people because there'll be less people floating around maybe, or there should be less people floating around. The other thing is, I suppose, um, we underestimate the fact or we kind of probably rely on the fact that we're working outdoors maybe as well and think that we're going to be immune to COVID because we're out, outdoors, but we probably should. It's, I, I don't know of any, there's very, it's very rare that you can do any veterinary procedure in, in conjunction with a vet and be two meters away from them if your help is needed. So I think people should just be aware that the mask is obviously a, a requirement at that stage. And you're not only trying to protect yourself, but you're also trying to protect your, your vet. Uh, as well, um, because obviously they're going from farm to farm. They could potentially become a super spreader if they were to contract it. Uh, and we just, it's, it's not like that these, like people go down with this, really. There's a lot of people floating around that are only a small bit under the weather. And most of us, most farmers will be of the scenario that even if they are under the weather, they're going to keep plodding on because it is the time of year that you just have to pull on the boots and kind of try and keep going. And uh, I know one person that said that they, they just thought it was a case of the man flu in, re in relation to their husband, so, um, and it actually turned out to be COVID. So just to be conscious of that. And I suppose the, the hygiene, Aidan Hearn actually said it the day that he was on with us, that they had a little uh, squeezy bottle in the tractor just for to sanitize people's hands and it was just connected up, or just connected onto the door with probably cable ties or something like that. So there's very simple ways, again, there doesn't have to be crazy. And um, the other thing is just maybe one person doing the tractor work rather than uh, having multiple people using it. And just to be smart, I suppose, and to be cautious. And look, there's no, I think the bull tank drivers, they, they have a, a difficult job as well, but like it's still nice to talk to them when you can see them, but just stay back because the pump will be running to suck the milk out of the tank and the tendency is to go close to them, to talk to them. Just try and step away from the pump. Uh, and if you want to have the chat with them, and ideally, maybe just wear the mask in that scenario as well. So just to be conscious, I suppose, uh, again, that colostrum mob, Joe spoke about it again last week in terms of how it's good for cow management as much as anything else. But if you have that group of cows that are identified as not being suitable for the tank, it's going to make it an awful lot easier for somebody who has to potentially come in at short notice and that they know that there's an issue with that bunch at least. They're not looking out for a cow in every row that's coming in so it can make things an awful lot easier and it just makes things so much easier for people in general um, to have that separate group of those uh, cows that need that extra bit of attention and cows that aren't going to be going to grass and all those so it just being again it comes back to that feed space thing again at the start you need that feed space to be able to do that so um, people should be thinking about that for the, the future and um, if you don't already have it and I suppose finally then just to uh, just as Marion said, like 
people can get overwhelmed with like there's so much to do but in reality if you can just stop for five minutes maybe if you are overwhelmed with it just you'll be surprised how much you could clear your head to, to and just think out like I think I think again I mentioned Tom O'Connell a couple of weeks ago like Tom just what needs to be done like when you're like you said Marion when you're tired and under pressure everything needs to be done but what is what really needs to be done is probably what you have to think about so there's some jobs there that can wait a couple of days it doesn't all have to happen today so just uh, the whiteboards are great for getting the what needs to be done write, write it up on the board you can put a little star against what needs to be priority this can be just for yourself it doesn't have to you don't have to do this for communicating with people necessarily but it helps obviously so just what, what there might be 10 things to be done but the 10 things don't necessarily need to be done today identify what is important for to keep the show on the road today and what would be nice to get done and if time throws itself up cows calving as as my own vet says they don't know in the case of human medicine when a person is going to have a baby so you can't say exactly when a cow is going to calve either so even though your icbf report could tell you you're going to have 10 cows calf today there might only be two cows calf today and the opportunity comes to clear clear out the calf shit or whatever it, it might it, it's important in terms of the hygiene aspect of the calf house but if it doesn't get done today because 10 or 15 cows calf today well so be it it'll be done tomorrow um, so just I suppose don't be hard on oneself either people are probably their own worst, worst enemies in that sense uh, and then again that whole tiredness and pressure scenario just doubles up on that kind of a scenario so just uh, take that breath make that phone call uh, and just don't be hard on yourselves you're all doing a very good job for the most part uh, as you go along anyway so uh, we'll leave it at that. I suppose, thanks, Marion. Um, Marion has shown a good number of resources there. So j just don't forget about the Chagas website and credit to Padraig and Francis and yourself and Martina as well for all the work that you put in there. In term and, and to the milking machine companies which offered up the standard operating procedures as well there last year. So that's there for people. And that's something that people should have in place anyway in spite of the global pandemic. Um, it's useful to have a procedure to how to work the machine there's an awful lot going around, going, being carried in people's heads. And when you have somebody like students in on the farm, maybe helping out now, they mightn't be around as much this at the moment, but your own family may be helping out in the farm. If they're it, like communication is the problem. And I think the numbering of the pens and stuff like that, it's like what calves are left to be fed, two and four. It's very simple. There's no mistaking that. What calves is left to be fed, like you said, Marion, the one that's two up from the, the far wall, like, uh, I, I just had a, a, an experience of that many years ago when I was milking for the farm relief in terms of a communication as to where the cows were to go next. I didn't get it right. Farmer couldn't understand how I didn't get it right. I couldn't understand how he wanted them to go into the field that he suggested that they should go into. <laughs> so it's all about communication. So just everybody take care and be safe and try and avoid getting this uh, COVID situation on your farm. And thanks to Marion. And we'll see you next week. Um, hope to cover a piece on the grass side of things. But beast from the east is potentially on the way, according to Marion, when we were talking beforehand. So maybe grass might have to be postponed, but we'll still talk about it next week anyway. So we'll talk to you next week. And thanks again, Marion. Thanks, Padraig. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday. So do listen in then. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.